0: Welcome to episode one, the first official episode of Games with Eric. I am Eric, and uh, on this episode, we're going to cover what's on my gaming radar, meaning what's sort of up and coming, what I'm interested in, what I'm seeing, what I'm excited about. We'll touch a little bit on what I've played. i played a little Letters to Santa, which is like a love letter. And I also dabbled in some of the free epic games that have been uh, coming out around Christmas. And, uh, oh, did I fail to mention this is the Christmas special uh, a number of days late. So the special feature is going to be a little bit about my memories of board games and uh, Christmas. And uh, just touching on some of the weirder games that we got in my family. And that will uh, that will cover the episode. So let's jump right into episode one Games with Eric. On my radar, so poking around the interwebs, I came across a game. I don't remember how I stumbled on it, but a game called Iron Helm. And uh, this is a solo dungeon crawl card driven game that is on uh, the Game Crafter, GameCrafter.com. I think Game Crafter is sort of like a print on demand game site where uh, you can give them all of your files for your game set a price point and then when someone buys it they sort of print it on demand put all the pieces in and i think they build them ad hoc one by one and send them out. They may build them in bulk. I'm not sure how that works, but I think there's a little lag between when you order it, when you get it, and the price is going to be a little bit higher because they're not doing uh, mass production of this game. But um, it seems pretty cool. It's got an old style, and old feel uh, artwork, and it seems like a straightforward dungeon crawl where you have a character, you have, um, uh, you know, you, you need to go through different levels of the dungeon to eventually get to the big boss and uh, different um equipment that you have to carry around and you have different limits on the amount of equipment you can have. So you can only, like a wizard is going to be able to carry less than a warrior and you assign something to your left hand and you assign something to your right hand, things like that. So it's kind of cool. You get to do a little bit of that balance. And, uh, you know, the way it works is it seems, I think there was like 16 cards and each turn, uh, you flip over two of those cards face down and, uh, you, pick the first one, you flip it over. And then if you want to uh, engage with that first card, you can, if you don't, you discard it, then you flip over the next card and you have to engage with that next card. And it'll be things like combat or maybe something to further the story along. I I don't know the specifics. I've not played it yet, but it's on my radar. And uh, one of the neat little features is, you know, if you do get a combat card, there'll be two, two text blocks. The first text blocks is if you flip this card over first, this is sort of the text block and the stats of the creatures you fight. If you're like, ah, I'm I'm hurting. I don't really want to fight this thing. I, I can't handle it. I'm going to pass and hope that something better comes up. The next card, if you flip it, say it's the same uh, combat card, uh, and there's two boxes. One is number one. One's number two. Well, you have to do the number two value, which means the card is nastier. So it's a little bit of a risk reward. Where you are, are you damaged? You need to heal. Do you feel strong? Do you feel confident? And uh, then it's sort of, you leave it up to fate to decide if you're going to actually um, get a, a better card flip or otherwise. And the combat system seems fairly straightforward. Um, you know, you attack, you defeat the monsters, things like that. And you have to accumulate uh, a certain number of, I think, like story points, different cards, draw different. There's different decks that, that draw story points or, you know, little um, uh, mini events that you have to resolve and uh that's a separate deck and there's different parts in sort of the dungeon deck that say you know draw and resolve a event card and then you accumulate x number of points to get to the, the big bad and you go down different levels of the dungeon uh it could be a linear line but there's these neat little cards with sort of a, a good old D map on it to show you you move your little token to show you how f- far down in the depths you're going and it's pretty cool um I'm interested in it because I like little clever games and I like solos and it seems like the footprint is small enough that I could sort of just set it up on my desk. Uh, I've got a fairly messy desk with a paint station and my work area for when I work from home, plus my regular computer that I'm podcasting on. So space is at a premium in here, and it would be nice if I could set it up in here instead of having to go into the garage uh, where it is freezing cold right now. So that's why it's on my radar, and like I said, the artwork is fun. It feels very first-edition-y, and uh, I like that whole vibe and whole feel, and it seems fairly clever. So uh, Iron Helm is on my radar. It's 40 bucks. I don't know if I'll pick it up, but I'm definitely looking hard at it, and if I do get it, I will let you know. Next up is a Kickstarter called, it's a magazine called Tabletops and Tentacles. And what this is, is like a dragon magazine, an old school dragon magazine, or a, they, I don't know if you've heard, there was a, a magazine called Gygax. I think one of his kids did up that followed a lot of the formatting of, of dragon, Or like an old school White Dwarf where it's sort of uh, an everything. There's book reviews, there's game reviews, there's, you know, little featurettes on history or what have you. And that's sort of what the vibe of this magazine is. And then I loved Dragon Magazine back in the day. And I also loved White Dwarf back in the day, pre-100. You know, I... Started reading White Dwarf probably in the 80s, 70s, 80s, or 90s. And that's uh, magazine number, not year. But I did start reading it in the 80s. And I just, I just liked it. You picked it up and you sort of learned a little bit about the whole gaming world. Some had modules that were specific to certain... Uh, rule sets, which was, you know, you can't necessarily use it one to one because it's not your rule set. I remember there being a lot of Rune Quest. Rune Quest, I think, was bigger in England back in the day. There's a lot of Rune Quest in White Dwarf. But uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. What we're talking about is Tabletop Tentacles. Um, so it's a little bit like that, but what I kind of like about it is I, I suspect it's digest sized. I don't think it's a full sized magazine, but the Kickstarter for 18 bucks will get you one print copy of it. And I think there's like a hundred and some odd dollar version where you get the whole year's worth of print. Uh, I'm only reluctant to do that because Gygax, I think made it to episode or to, uh, six issues, And it was a cool magazine. I would have subscribed, but had I subscribed to the whole year, I would have been hosed after six issues. So I think these magazines struggle to succeed because I can point and click on the internet and fill my time with little bits and pieces of sort of design my own magazines, as it were. I can read a minute here, a minute there, and uh, I'm sort of done with my gaming appetite for that day. But what Tabletops Tentacle seems to do is it sort of follows that, Mindset a little bit so, in uh, if you go to either the Kickstarter or uh, Drive-Thru RPG, you can get episode uh, or issue zero for free to get a little idea of what it is. And in it, there's like uh, it's a holiday issue, uh, which is apropos because it's the holidays, and there's like a little history of Krampus, so it's seriously like four or five paragraphs long. Uh, in news column size and there's not that much to read but you get a little flavor a little bit of history on the krampus and you're done so like one whole page of the magazine is just a few paragraphs small paragraphs a little bit of artwork a little bit of graphic design so it's kind of cool so it's kind of like the same bite-sized interest pieces that you get as you click through the internet and land on some page that you didn't recognize. And, oh, that's interesting. I'll read that. And I just learned something about something random. It's sort of like that. Then there's a scenario that is maybe three pages long. That's a bite-sized, uh, less of a scenario, more of a micro scenario or an event that can happen. Um, And that was pretty cool. Then another page is like uh, what you find in uh, barrels in a dungeon. So it's just a chart, but the chart, it's a little bit larger format. A few short sentences, maybe, maybe less about what you find in a barrel. Mm -hmm. So kind of cool, right? It's not much to it. You can kind of read through it, but it's instead of being a small block of text, which you sort of, look at and walk away from for charts. It's bigger. So you kind of spend more time looking at each line. Maybe it's because there's the spacing between the text is a little bit more spacious. So it gives your eye a a moment to rest as you move between them. I don't know what it is, but I'm really interested in it. And I'm thinking like I might back it for 18 bucks to get at least one of the, the physical copy of it. You can get digital copies, I think for less but i'm happy to support it and like i said i i went deep in a dragon i tried collecting uh, physical copies of every dragon i could i think i went as far back into the 30s um and i think it was an epi- episode episode <laughs> issues into the 200s. so i had boxes of dragons i also yeah i also had the cd where you had episode issues 1 through i think 250 so it was like redundant but I'm of the era and of the mindset that I really like having something in my hands to thumb through and look at and hold and fold and turn and all that stuff. Um, That being said, I don't pick up magazines uh, or physical books virtually at all. I do most of my stuff in my commute and listening to them. So it's not like uh, I'm a big proponent for magazines, but I'm not a huge supporter of them. So I am backing, I I will probably back for a physical copy just because I want to support them because I love the idea. Um, And I would recommend that you check it out too. It's pretty cool. So uh, one more thing, it's a game, it's a game on Steam. It's a video game called Gibbous, a Cthulhu adventure and it's 20 bucks. It looks a lot like a comedy, comedic, Lovecraftian point-and-click adventure with a lot of really nice-looking colors a la Monkey Island. So I think it's probably a cthulhu storyline in the spirit of the old Lucasfilm or LucasArts uh, Monkey Island series. The artwork is a a blend between the new Monkey Islands and the old, and it just seemed kind of cool and, you know, a pointy clicky Cthulhu adventure seemed kind of interesting. So that sort of popped up. And I'm also thinking about, uh, maybe picking that up and clicking through a little bit of that, that $20 pi- price point is that, that, that amount where I could get it and I could put in a few hours and feel good. If I sort of stopped playing, like I got my 20 bucks of entertainment out of it. So I might pick that up, but, uh, Check it out. It's pretty colorful, and it looks pretty cool. And that's the sound of what I'm playing. Given it's a holiday season, given this is the holiday special, the big holiday special, uh, what I've been playing is Letters to Santa, which is a riff on the classic love letter, uh, but obviously Christmas-themed. So you've got Santa and Mrs. Claus and the Krampus and toys and an elf and uh, you know a snowman and reindeer and all that good stuff. Um, and I think there's a, there's one difference in the rules. And so far as I think in Love Letter, if you get two cards like the Warlord maybe and the Clown, I think you just lose that round. In Letters to Santa, if you get Mrs. Claus and I believe it's the elf and or toys in your hand. You have to discard Mrs. Claus. So you don't lose. You just discard Mrs. Claus. So uh, it's a blast. It comes in a cool little felt pouch. And my son and I play it all the time during the holiday season. We try to pack it up uh, with all of the uh, Christmas decorations so that we don't uh, get spoiled on it. And uh, it's still special every year. Um but we take it everywhere. If we're all going out to dinner, we'll take it. Cause you can, you know, play a little bit before, uh, you know, your dinner comes out, we'll take it to the mall. If, if we're all shopping, he and I will get a, a coffee and a hot chocolate and play a couple hands. Um, it's super fun. And, uh, he's pretty funny. He, he figured out a couple of years ago how to do bluffing. So he would, uh, guess, you know, with the Krampus, which is essentially the, the one where you get to, guess what other people have. He, he sort of learned and figured out to do the whole, I'm going to guess what you have, but I'm actually holding it to try to throw you off my track sort of a thing. Um, so it's pretty fun and it's really accessible. We've played it with all of the, you know, the different people, the family that have come in and out during the season. So it's, if, if you know, love letter, it's a great game. Uh, and if you're a fan of the holidays and a fan of Santa Claus version of Christmas, um, it's definitely worth picking up. I heard that it was not Easily available anymore. I think a couple of years ago I bought four or five of them to to give out to people, um, but I only have the the one copy. Uh, but if you can find it and you're a fan of Santa themed Christmas stuff, I would definitely pick it up. Um, we have Loot Letter, which is the Munchkin version, which I believe is identical in rules, uh, just with weird Munchkin themed stuff. And I'm you know not a huge fan of Munchkin, so we've we played it, but I actually ordered, um, Lovecraft letters, which I understand is obviously Lovecraft theme letters to Santa. I mean, <laughs> Lovecraft theme love letter. Uh, but I guess there's also, uh, uh, like a possibility to play with these insanity rules. So I think it's love letter plus the special insanity rule for, uh, the Lovecraft theme. So I'm pretty excited about that and then that means we can play it all year round and uh I'll be happy about it. And my son will probably enjoy it cuz he understands the rules uh for uh letters to Santa. And you know, it just seems kind of cool and something in them that we can keep Santa special for the holidays. So um it's uh haven't been playing a whole lot right now. I've been on Christmas break from work but uh just day to day has been taking my time so not a lot of uh not a lot of play time so that's what i've been playing letters to santa i would highly recommend recommend picking it up not that this was a review but if you can find it again grab it it's pretty cool hey eric this is rudy from rpg retrofit also rudy from your longtime friend um, dude, I really enjoyed the the uh, first episode of your show. It's awesome. Uh welcome back to podcasting cuz we did it together for a long for a short time a long time ago. Um but it was very entertaining, very um enjoyable to listen to and uh I look forward to you uh pumping out some more episodes. Um I remember when you recently got back into DMing and ran a game for your son and his friend and then your friend and some of the war stories from that were really cool. So hopefully you'll get an episode where you can talk about, you know, coming back to DMing and what that was like. All right, man, happy holidays. And I will see you soon. Thanks for the support, Rudy. I do enjoy coming back to it. Uh, Holidays kind of screwed my schedule and recording up. So it's been a little while, but, um, uh, thanks for the encouragement. And yes, um, it does feel good. And you mentioned a session for me, a uh, d session that I was running for my son and his friend and my buddy. And yes, I plan on talking about that, not this episode, because this is the holiday special. So we're going to get some holiday special coming up here in you know, the feature segment. But uh, I think next episode, I will talk exactly about what you're talking about. So thanks for the call. And also Jason from uh, Nerds RPG Variety Cast gave me a ring. It was a four part message and he was sort of just talking through how he was in alignment with a lot of my thoughts, sort of giving me a reflection of my thoughts against his and his against mine. And I really appreciated it. Given it was in four parts, I didn't think I could drop all four parts in here or pick one of the parts to drop in here so um i will just say thank you jason and i uh, have subscribed to your show and i'll start listening to the backlog of that i have to go back to work tomorrow on the 30th so that's a drag so uh i will look forward to listening to that in the car so thank you both for your messages and uh let's jump into the feature segment about christmas and me and board games So, given it's christmas i was going back through my mental history of all my christmases and i started thinking about board games because i always uh, link my holiday breaks with gaming um, all the way through high school two weeks of break time meant lots and lots of warhammer and lots and lots of D. um As I get older, obviously, my breaks are a little bit more restrictive because of my son, and instead of just being a consumer of Christmas, now I am a provider of it, so there's a lot more planning and a lot more of that stuff that goes on, but I do enjoy my time when I do get to game on my breaks, Uh, but it got me thinking about all of the uh, games that I played as part of our family tradition. My mom instituted sort of a tradition where every Christmas day there was a a new board game and obviously she instituted it because Santa would give us a board game to play on Christmas day. And uh, I don't remember all of them, but I do remember some of them and there there were some weird ones. And I don't know if that sort of uh, got me comfortable thinking about board gaming because I'd been playing them forever and they were non-traditional games. So it's not like we played Trouble or Monopoly or Parcheesi or anything. Uh, We played some kind of weird ones, So I figured I'd just talk about a few of those and then end on a really awesome story uh, about one of the games. that wasn't that weird, but it was a more modern game, and uh, it's a great story. So anyway, uh, jumping in, one of the earlier games that I remember. So I grew up in L.A., and uh, obviously uh, L.A. is very infatuated and uh, interested in success and money and status. And there's this board game called Beverly Hills, The version that we had was like a black box uh, with gold writing on it, and you opened it up, and the board was like an abstracted version of Beverly Hills Drive, I'm guessing, so where all the stores were. Maybe that's not on Beverly Hills Drive. I don't know. Rodeo Rodeo Drive? I don't know. Rodeo Drive. (laughs) What a rube. Um, So, uh, you know, I can't remember the store names, but maybe Armani, but it was probably like Giorgio Armani at the time. I think that's his name. I honestly don't know. But anyway, those sorts of stores and uh, the different pieces that you would use to move around the board were these metal pieces. And it was like a Cadillac emblem, a Mercedes emblem and a Rolls Royce. And I think there was a Ford. I think if you got the Ford, you were bummed because you didn't want to drive around Rolls Royce and a Ford. But the whole premise of the game is you were sort of... uh, what uh, increasing your wealth and status or hoping to increase your wealth and status. It's a spin and move game. So you would like spin, move your piece on the board and you could pick up different cards like wealth, wealth cards, I think, and like jet set cards that would tell you flip up over a jet set card. And it's like, go to the con film festival and see the coolest new movie. Earn 20, you know, status points. And so you'd sort of collect these things and collect money and uh, the real weird part, the part that I think my mom loved, and I remember her always laughing about it and having a good time with it, was anytime you went into the one of the uh, the stores, there was this this book, and you'd flip open the book to the appropriate store, and then you'd spin the spinner to see what happened when you were in that store. So it was an opportunity to gain wealth or status or lose it, and it was all chance. But you'd f- spin the spinner, and you know, like uh, one of the results would be. You know, uh, overindulged on the free champagne during a dress fitting, lose 20, you know, status points or something. Or, you know, uh, movie star X liked the way the dress looked on you and she bought one for herself, you know, gained 20 status points. So it was all very sort of a fantasy role play experience, um, very much driven by. The, the need and the quest for wealth and status. it was very much made sense that it was a Beverly Hills themed game. It just it was a very strange game. I never wanted to play it. She had a great time playing it because it was a lot of fun to pretend uh, you know wealth and status were coming her way. Um, so that was a weird one, but you know, I played it. I could play it <clears throat> because it was a spin and move game. I didn't quite get what I was doing and it wasn't a lot of fun, but that was one of our games. Uh, another game was called By Jove. And I for some reason I thought it was Avalon Hill that produced it, that published it, but I don't think they were because I went on Board Game Geek and it was some other company that produced it. I can't remember the name of it. Um, but by jove was another roll and move. And I remember it being set up very similarly to Monopoly. Um, but you play different uh your pieces are like different people from Greek mythology. And I just remember like you could pl- I think you could play Achilles. And he was like, the picture of Achilles was him moving in a weird direction, like exposing his heel. I think you could play like Hector. And in the middle, maybe there was a labyrinth where you'd get caught trying to fight the minotaur. and there was a golden fleece and all this sort of weird uh, Greek mythology stuff. But I remember the coolest part where the I think the pieces, the 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 money, were like little plastic pieces that felt and looked like real like Roman coins or obviously modeled off of Roman coins. And I, you know, I don't remember much about the game. I think we played it a bunch. I feel like we played it a lot. I just remember that golden fleece in my head for some reason and the coins. So I think I had liked getting coins and playing with the coins, but um, yeah. So who, who would have thought, you know, by Jove, it's not like my mom was into Greek mythology so Santa gave her that I don't I don't know where it came from or why but there you go Christmas day by Jove um another one that I was into was something called a game called Lost Treasure and Lost Treasure was uh it was a standard like you'd get it at Fedco or Sears or Target back then I think it was Fedmart or Fedco still but it was, I think it was a Milton Bradley maybe. And it was basically, you know, you're a treasure hunter and at the board is this open ocean on a grid system. And it was back when you people were kind of putting little, you know, handheld computer games, it's like a dark tower sort of a thing in with the board game that was sort of driving the game. So in this particular one, you moved your ships around this board and you needed to accumulate, you know, so much treasure um, and, in order to do that, you would dive so you could uh, you would find your coordinate, you would move your ship and you would you would dive. I think maybe you did some sort of a ping to see if you were close to treasure. I think so. like you could move into a quadrant and like say, am I close to is treasure near here? And then it would say, you know, yes or no, maybe a warming hot and cold. I'm not sure of the mechanic, but wherever you decided to dive, you would plug in your boat's coordinates into this little dive computer. And there was an oxygen reader and like an up and a down. And I think it would also uh, calculate the value of the treasures that you found once you, you gathered. them. But anyway, so you'd say, okay, I'm gonna dive. And you hold this like dive button and it would make the sound of you descending. And you would see these LEDs turn off slowly as your oxygen decreased until you know you ran out of oxygen. But as you went down, you'd hold this button and it would go, like do, 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 and like make that descending sound and then like start slowing down like do, 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 and you didn't know how deep you were until you sort of discovered it. So you had to watch, listen to the sound of the descent, watch your oxygen, and then hope that you hit a treasure. And if you hit a treasure, it would make like a little sound and you go, oh, great, I better get out of here. So then you would press up and then it reversed it and it was the ascending sound, you know, And then it was a race against the oxygen. Would you get to the top? In which case, then you get out and you get the treasure and you get to value the treasure or would oxygen run out? In which case, you know, catastrophe, I guess your diver died, you know, whatever. You just buy a new diver. Um, I'm kidding. I don't actually know what happened to the diver, but uh, you would drop the treasure and you'd hear the treasure like fall. And then it would sort of randomize where it landed within that quadrant. So you couldn't dive in the same spot again and get the same result. Anyway, there was a lot of like fun and nervousness and, and theme built around that. And I just loved diving. I loved that feeling of like, Ooh, you know, uh, press your luck. And am I going to get there? And then you would get out and it would go, you know, then you could like value the treasure and all that. And it was super duper fun. And that was probably one of my favorite Christmas games we ever got, because I could play it. I understood it and it had a little computer and it made sounds and, uh, it was really cool to sort of pick up the treasures from the bottom of the ocean. So I love that game. And uh, I suspect you probably couldn't buy it now with functioning computers, but maybe. I mean, it was a, I think it was an early 80s game. You know, maybe. Maybe someone never plugged it in and the electronics still work. I don't know. So that was a pretty cool one. Um, and then uh, the last one I'm going to talk about is Iron Dragon. Iron Dragon's one of those uh, train train games that was super popular in, I think, late 80s, definitely the 90s, where you would use crayons to sort of draw your rails between posts on a map in order to pick up goods and then deliver them someplace. There's a whole series of these things. And the one that we liked was Iron Dragon. Uh, And by we, I mean my game group, we liked Iron Dragon because it was the fantasy version. I think Elmore did the cover, and I think Elmore did a lot of the art inside. And they had ridiculous names for the different countries and the, or the different towns, the different countries, and you know you were picking up and dropping off spells or dragons or you know things between locations, metal or weaponry or something. So it was like a, a train economic game, but fantasy themed. So it was a lot of fun. Anyway. Uh, this was a little bit later on. So this was sometime in the nineties and I guess Santa forgot to bring us board games after a certain point in time. And uh, so my aunt and my mom and I were sitting around and I thought, well, let's, let's try it. It's, it's fairly simple. Um, You know, it's kind of a fun game pass the time, drink your, drink your nog. So we set up iron dragon. We we played a game of it and you know, they had fun. Um, It was sort of a fun learning game. It was a fun experience. And uh, that was it great fun. So my aunt would typically come and stay with us for weeks around the holidays. So I went about my business and I came back one night from whatever I was doing and uh, they were playing it and um, they had been, they're like, Oh yeah, we've been playing this for like six hours and I wait, well, didn't anybody win? And uh, yeah, somebody won, but then they just decided to keep playing and they basically played until they ran out of money. Like all of the game money was in one of their two hands. They cleared the bank because they'd just been doing different runs and picking up goods and dropping off goods. And eventually they ran out of money and they just kept playing. Like they had that much fun with Iron Dragon. And I'll never forget that because I never would have expected it. it. It was a fun game but I'm ready to move on afterwards. And for some reason, it just struck a nerve with them. And I'd never heard anything like that or seen it. And they just played and played and played until the money ran out and then kept playing. Good for them. Anyway, those are uh, a few games that I remember from my, my holidays. Um, I try to do that now that I'm a parent and uh, it's been Letters to Santa so far. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe I can get a game mixed in here there. Maybe Santa can bring us something fun that the whole family can get on board with next year. Anyway, thanks for listening to my uh, my Christmas special walkthrough board game memories. And with that, we end episode one of Games with Eric. I want to thank Rudy and Jason for giving me a ring and some thoughts uh, about the podcast. Hopefully uh, I'll get some more connections with people going forward Um, in order to connect with me head over to anchor.fm forward slash games with eric and leave me a message Uh, or you can email me at podcast at games with eric.com or head over to twitter at games with eric yeah there's a warning nothing over there right now but uh you know you gotta throw the socials out so anyway thanks everyone for listening and uh i got episode the next two episodes all planned out so hopefully i can get those out a little bit quicker and it won't be such a lag so look forward to your calls look forward to your emails thanks a lot for spending your time with me